I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Now for the General Knowledge Podcast Season 2, Episode 24, the, the last one for, for this season, the final episode for Season 2. It's pretty excited. I'm very excited to, uh, to get this one under under wraps. Uh, we've I wanted to do it a little bit a couple of days ago, but uh, of course, things like Father's Day and all that sort of stuff kind of got in the way, as, as life gets in the way, as we always say. Uh, so I figured today, Monday, the 7th of September, we'll do the final episode, and we've got a a great guest lined up. I won't get into that just now. I'll come to that very shortly. But today uh, on this episode, Andy's uh, MIA. Uh, he's uh, uh, going uh, walkabout up in the uh, Sunshine Coast uh, hinterland somewhere, I think. He's uh, trying to find himself again. Um, <laughs> probably doing an ayahuasca trip. Who knows? Um, but today I've got Ethan with me today for uh, for this one on uh, on our side of the bench. Ethan, how are you going, brother? Good, General. Good to be here for the uh, the big Season 2 finale. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a good one, mate. I'm looking forward to having a good chat. It should be, it should be. I can't wait to, to bust out this guest we've got lined up. But before we get into that, man, like, um, how was your weekend? You had a good Father's Day. Like, did you go and see your dad and all that sort of stuff? Like, what's the go? Yeah. Good weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah. I um sort of did the uh, the normal ritualistic um, stuff that they they get you to do for these holidays. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. the the big news. Not that weekend, we need to be told to do it, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but the big news of the weekend was obviously the uh, the national rallies that were happening. So mm, that, that was, was on the uh, talk of the town. Saturday the fifth, of course. Remember, remember the fifth of September. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I like um I like seeing that on your website, mate. It was a good um. It was a good little homage there. Yeah, of course. Um, 
but yeah, that was the talk of the town. Got to see everyone, you know, um, got to catch up with people after the rally because there wasn't as harsh restrictions as the last one here mm. where we couldn't go into any pubs or anything afterwards. That's so. right. We talked about that on the show. Um, how, yeah, you're like, let's go get a beer after this one. Yeah. And then like, oh, oh, you can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. It's uh... yeah. We all, we all realized and remembered that we were living in under totalitarian rule <laughs> after forgetting for a couple of hours. Uh, but it was better this time. Um, obviously, Queensland isn't as harsh for the restrictions. Yeah, but, we're, we're a bit lucky. You know, we were obviously showing solidarity to Victoria and Sydney and some of these other places that don't have it as good at the moment. So, mate, And I think was, that's what it was really all about. Hey, mate, it was really just being out there and, I guess, throwing the, our support behind the, the folks down there in, uh, in Victoria and Melbourne really specifically in those metropolitan areas there because man you're right they are and we've talked about this countless times and we've seen so much in the news about it but I just feel so sorry for the people down there it's 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 like an open air prison really mm, that, you know absolutely mate it's 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 curfews, becoming you know like fuck yeah well they were saying um I saw an article that said that 2.1 million dollars in fines have been given out in the city so far um, which it's it's just become this dystopian science fiction wasteland. You know, you can't go out after 8 p.m. in Melbourne, all this type of stuff, all the curfews and whatnot that are in, in place. And, you know, we, we saw drama in, in the lead up to the rally. You know, the rally down there wasn't That's as strong right. as it, it would have been because a lot of the, the organisers and stuff, you know, sort of said that it was going to be a trap. It was going to be a setup. They wanted to wait and postpone it. You know, some people still did show up. So, you know, the conditions down there are even affecting, you know, the social element of it, you know, with people's houses being raided and everything. So just crazy stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, it really was. You know, we had um, Solihin Millin, or what it was, the old bloke, the 70-odd-year-old guy. Yeah, he, he got arrested and had all his phones and computers confiscated. Yeah, we had, um, I don't know, Mick Sims was approached by the, the cops as well and was... Um, uh, getting interviewed there was another chap uh, I can't recall his name right now but you know, he, it was video footage of his home getting busted into of course Zoe mm-hmm. um, had her she was had the, the police come and arrest her even though she's a pregnant mum in her pyjamas you know it doesn't matter just go and arrest these people and lock them up you know for incitement like seriously yeah. thought crime <laughs> it's literally thought crime you know, yeah. this is, we're living the minority report mate you know <laughs> Absolutely, mate. It's, it's, oh. it's, 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 it's getting crazy. And, and even I saw a live this morning on Instagram, um, Thanos, who was on the show a mm. few episodes ago, he mm-hmm. was also arrested. He's on bail conditions, which say he can't share things about protests. He can't, you know, even promote anything that has to do with events or he'll have his whole social media wiped and all this type of stuff. Wow. It's, it's just, you know, it, it really is as you've said, mate, in an episode of Minority Report where people are getting arrested for things that haven't even been done yet, That's you know, right. for incitement, for, for encouragement. And and we always say this, it won't hold up in, in court, a lot of these things, you know, once the, the, the cases begin to flood the system, I think Fennel said he has to go in February, you know, once all these cases start to come in, it, it's going to be very hard for these phony laws to hold up. But yeah, that's right. until then... This is mass intimidation on on a grand scale for, as you said, mate, thought crime. Yeah, it's 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 a massive psyop on on the people of Victoria, well, the people of Australia and the world because they're watching this. But um, you know, it's really a psychological operation. You know, you've got all these 
you know, the, the lockdown laws and restrictions, and then they ease the restrictions, and then they put more restrictions on, and then they change this and they change that. People are in this constant state of flux where they don't know what the fuck is going on, and it's so frustrating and infuriating for people. But it's just messing with their heads. They don't know what to do. You know what I mean? So they can't organize anything. They can't do anything. Everything. Every time they want to do something, get, get something else changes. So they don't want to do anything. And they just sit in their homes down there and slowly, slowly enter this abyss of, of self-loathing and, and you know, almost like these suicidal thoughts. Because we see the suicide rates jumping as well. So, But anyway, look, all it's just absolute craziness down there. And we, we do have a chap on to, I guess, try and decipher a bit of this and, and talk to us about what's what he sees is really going on. So, Ethan, if you don't mind, we, we might just start kicking off the that, that part of the show. Yeah. Um, all right, so here we go. On today's show, we do have a special guest around off Season 2 of the General Knowledge Podcast. And what a time to have him on. We are in crazy, uncertain, and unprecedented times here in Australia and the world over. Our guest today is an aim synonymous with critical thinkers in Australia and has appeared on countless radio shows and podcasts around the world, gracing us with his presence to share his unique insights and uh, with the contemporary madness is none other than Max Egan. Max, how are you, brother? Thanks for joining us uh, for the show. It's good to be here, guys. Thanks for asking me on, and that was a, a lovely introduction. Thank you very much. Oh, it's, it's lovely to come and talk to you. My pleasure, man. Uh, thanks for sparing us the time. You're you're a busy guy. You've uh, you always got a lot on your plate. And um, if people want to head over to um, your website and basically just keep up to speed with with what you're doing in the world, um, what's the website? Just shout that out for the folks out there if they want to bring it up and uh, have a read while they're listening along. What's your website again? My website is thecrowhouse.com. It's it's an old HTML website. It's not WordPress. I've got to update it. It's in a state of complete disarray at the moment as well. Because You've got a lot of I've content had, on there. I've got a lot of content, but I've had a lot of there's a lot of dead links as well because my YouTube channel was deleted a couple of months ago, and right. so there's uh, literally hundreds of dead links of videos on there that I need to get fixed. So I've got to kind of rebuild the website. Mm. But the website is thecrowhouse.com. I've got a community forum there as well, and you'll find links to all my other pages there, my MeWe page, my Minds page, my um, whole bunch of stuff, BitChute. Um, I've been kicked off Facebook. I've been kicked off iTunes. I've been kicked off uh, Spotify. I've been banned from 153 News. My channel was deleted from YouTube, but I've got a backup channel there that's still working, and, uh, and BitChute there. You'll find it all at thecrowhouse.com. Yeah, it's it's infuriating because you put so so much work into you know all the mainstream social media platforms because that that's really where the audience is. You know what I mean? Like you, I do love that there's other ones like you know, BitChute's actually pretty good. I upload to BitChute as well as YouTube um, for certain things that we put up. I would do the both of them, but um, you know we got like you said, Minds. There's MeWe and all that sort of stuff, but it's very much preaching to the choir on those sort of things. So while it's good to to talk to the people who follow you and all that, you really do want to reach new people you want to reach a new audience you want to get those fence sitters and bring them and you know, give them that little tug to fall on your side of the fence you know what i mean and you're not going to really find too many of those on those other platforms you know you do need to sort of try and hit the hit the big ones so uh we'll of course we will be sharing this on our social media networks as well and letting people know to, to get on board with your website and support the things that you do as well um and that's what to let everyone know that's where they can find you as well because you're not on these mainstream ones are you, are you on twitter did you get onto twitter at all or did you get I'm, banned from there i'm on I'm, I'm on twitter i haven't been banned from twitter yet yeah, okay, uh, i still good. do have a, i still do have a channel on youtube that you can access from my from my website thecrowhouse.com you'll still find i'm on my old channel now that was okay. there for years but it's an interesting thing you know since they deleted my my main channel 
like I had over a thousand videos. I had two hundred and thirty-seven thousand wow. subscribers. I had twenty-six point six million video views, <laughs> and um, since they deleted that channel, there's all of these really like big channels such as uh, Video Advice and Daily Motivation, and you know all these sort of motivational channels that mm. do these short ten-minute clips that have got you know two and a half million subscribers and stuff. And so many of these channels have been have been grabbing my stuff and posting little ten-minute clips of my stuff and a couple of them contacted me one of the guys from uh, i think it was from daily motivation one of these channels contacted me a few of them contacted me actually said max we're really sad your channel's gone but uh, one of them said the thing is max the truth is like a spring and you can't block off a spring as soon as you go and put a rock over the main source of flow of that spring all it does is it pops up in a hundred little areas around the hill and that's what's happened with my stuff. Since I deleted my channel, it's literally popped up everywhere. And I'm seeing more of my stuff posted around YouTube than I've ever seen before. Well, that's, that's so, good. That is actually a good thing, though, isn't it? It's great. I yeah. mean, they, they've, they've basically given me, said, look, this guy's speaking the truth because they cancelled me. They just shut me down without any warning at all. Didn't even have a strike against my channel. Wow. I just got one morning and the channel was gone, you know. And uh, it was crazy. I mean, I'd been looking at it 10 minutes earlier and uh, someone then, someone commented, said, Max, did they just delete your channel? And I went, no, I was just looking at it. And I went back and, yep, it was gone. Gone, fuck. So, you know, it just shows that I'm, it, it's saying something that they don't want you to hear. Well, you're over the target. It's just uh, up yeah. everywhere else, you yeah. know. So they can't, they can't shut it down. They can't shop, stop the truth from flowing. And with what they've done with this whole pandemic, They've red-pilled the whole world, basically. There's so many people waking up now to everything we've been saying for the last 20 years, trying to wake them up. They're realizing it's not a conspiracy anymore. It's real, and we're in deep shit. Mm. Well, it's like that old saying, hope springs eternal, but they should really change that to truth springs eternal. <laughs> um, I might just start getting to a, a couple of questions here for you, mate, to get that um, part of the conversation flowing, mate. Um, first off, People who we call, I guess, for the lack of a better word, awake, like ourselves, for example, uh, we've been feeling for a while now that something big w was coming, something to, to kick off this culmination of all the little key points that have been leading us down the path for quite a few years now. And I'm, by that, I mean key points such as things like, like constant changes in, in monetary policy, including a big push to removing cash and locking in things like bail-in and bail-out laws and all that sort of stuff. Uh, the big increase in things like the surveillance grid and the surveillance state, merger of state health policies with big bodies like the UN and the World Health Organization's policies, um, to look to just to name a few. But we've seen we seem to know that this was coming. We we could all see it. So my question is, why were we all so blindsided by this? You know what I mean? Like it just seems like everyone got taken blindsided by this Corona hoax. To, to kick this off like did, did was it did, was well, it supposed to happen were we all expecting it to be maybe another war to kick this off you know what i mean like why was why were we all so blindsided by this well i don't know that everybody was blindsided a few people probably were um i wasn't i i called it as a hoax from from the very beginning i said this is a scam mm -hmm. and as soon as they shut down trade between the united states and europe i said okay this is this is it this is the breakdown of the food chain we're heading for a mass depression and, and basically food shortages. That's what they're heading to. And it's it's like Bolshevism 2.0. Mm. And I said um, I said back in my in uh, in my film in, in the big picture in two thousand and eight, 
I said we're being set up for a mass cull, all the interdependency between nations. We get, they're going to shut it down and they're going to depopulate the world and the, the main method they always use to do this is starvation. I said this back in 2008. And in uh, 2020 or in 2018, I said to people, um, we will see what's going on when we, when we hit the year 2020. When 2020 comes, we'll all get 2020 vision. Mm-hmm. What, are they, what do they call it? 2020 vision, you know? Why not 1010? Why 100%? What's going to happen in 2020? The veil will fall down and everyone will see the world for what it is. When the coronavirus thing came out, and when, when all the, the stuff was coming out of China, I was showing it on my video reports. But at the same time, I was questioning and saying, how is this information getting out? Mm. Because, you know, Chinese internet is so controlled. How are we getting this stuff? How are we getting this footage of them boarding people in their homes? And, doing and I said, yeah, they've got to these ghost cities in China. How hard would it be to get you know, the mass military to go over there, put them in civilian clothes and get them to just run an operation and video it all, make it look real? It's just a, it's just a theatre play. Yeah, we wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know. You know. And I called all this way back at the beginning. And um, what they're doing, I mean, it's all everything that you've said, all of these things they put in place, like the merging of, of everything together into this massive control system, all they needed then was the trigger to implement the response, and the response is to roll out this mass control grid. Mm. Coronavirus is just the trigger. And all they've done is is basically weaponize the common cold. And when I say weaponize, they weaponized it psychologically through media spin to convince people that the seasonal flu is actually this pandemic when it's not. You know, and all you gotta do is look at the figures. I mean it's it's a complete scam. It's yep. an absolute um, provable fraud, everything they're doing here. And, and what they're doing in Victoria, I mean, why they're doing it so dramatically in Victoria is because of the Chinese um, Belt and Road agreements that the Victorian government has signed, because Victoria's broke, completely broke. I mean, Daniel Andrews has sold the whole place out to China, basically. Mm-hmm. You've even got ports in Victoria that are being leased to China. You know, 99-year lease on a port in Victoria in, in uh, Melbourne. Think about that. You've got, a, you've got a foreign government now in control of one of our shipping ports. You've got a Chinese government in control of Australian shipping lanes. Do you see a security problem here? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, and so they've got that going on there. But what they're doing there, they intend to roll out to the rest of the country. They're just doing it very, very dramatically in uh, in Victoria at the moment. But Victoria's designed never to come out of lockdown. The way they've got these uh, the roadmap out of lockdown, it's basically not achievable. And when you look at the tests, how they're doing these PCR tests and everything they're using to promote the, the virus – which is a case demic, you know, there's no people dying. Correct. It's just yep. people testing positive. And what are they testing positive for? Well, they've never done a Koch's postulate on COVID-19 and actually identified it or purified it and actually identified it as an infectious virus. They're using a PCR test, which according to the manufacturer of the test, the inventor of the test, who actually won a Nobel Prize for inventing the test, a guy by the name of Carrie uh, Mullis, he said you cannot use this test to test for infection. What the test is used for, it will identify a particular RNA sequence in your DNA, whatever you ask it to look for, and then it will um, multiply that genetic environment, multiply it and multiply it and multiply it until you've got enough of that sample to positively identify it and to work with it. Mm-hmm. So that's all it's doing. So they're going in and looking for whatever RNA strand they want to look for, and then they're multiplying it and multiplying it and saying, oh, look, you've got COVID-19. But it's it's ridiculous. You can't possibly do that with these PCR tests. 
So what are they really doing with the PCR tests? Are they implanting genetic material in people? Are they getting a DNA database? What are they doing with these PCR tests? Because one thing they're most certainly not doing is testing for COVID-19. So, you know, it's a provable fraud. It's a quantifiable fraud. And everybody they test, the numbers keep going up. And what Daniel Andrews has put in place, you know, you've got to have like, you know, um, no more than five people test positive in 14 days before we will relax restrictions one more <laughs> level. And, you know, you've got out of six million people and you want everyone to get tested. You're really pushing the tests. And you can, you can manufacture any genetic environment you want and test call positive on anybody you want. You know, it's it's a provable scam. Yeah, and don't forget, don't forget, Max, too, that they also incentivized that test. They were paying people like three hundred dollars just to get the test, and if you got positive, you get you got paid. What was it, Ethan? Do you remember the amount? Fifteen hundred bucks or something? If you got positive, fifteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, fifteen hundred. So they, they were incentivizing people to get tested and to come back with a positive result. You know, just so they could because they we've said this before. They they tightened everyone's purse strings by cancelling all their jobs they had no they got no jobs in there they can't work down there so what else are they going to do well i better go and get a test because i might be able to get some money from it so i can live you know what i mean so they're incentivizing people to get tested and drive those cases up just like you said max not not death rates just cases yeah i've actually received email from people as well who said that um they will the government will pay them a certain amount if their relative died of COVID. And the people have been approached by people in nursing homes when their their relatives have died and said, look, if we put COVID on the death certificate, you'll get 1200 bucks, you know, and the nursing home gets a, a payout as well. And they're encouraging people to do that because, well, you know, you can make 1200 bucks. Why not just put COVID on there, you know, because, well, they tested positive for COVID. They tested positive for coronaviruses anyway. Well, we did one of these swabs. These aren't, you know. They, like I said, they can manufacture whatever they want out of the mm. test. So there's mm. financial incentive all the way down the line. And even when you look in the United States, what they're doing there, how they've got the death figures so high in the United States. Like, I think last week it was 154,000 people they're saying have died of COVID. I think the last I heard, I think it was 171,000 people. Um, but I'm pulling these numbers kind of off the top of my head. I might be wrong. But it was up around there. That's the, how, they, how many people they're saying officially died of COVID-19. And yet the CDC released a report just the other day saying that actually 94% of people who we say died of COVID actually died of other things. Yeah. So that's only 6% of those people died. The media isn't reporting any of that. Nope, that's right. They don't talk about that. And the nursing homes or, or the hospitals get something like, what is it, um, like $8,000 or $13,000? I think it was 13000 for a positive result on yeah. a person and if that person nine thousand, if they put them on a ventilator no 39 yeah. it was three times the amount so it was thirty nine thousand for a to be ventilated if they need to have gone a ventilator yeah which was part of the protocol which i think they've wound that back now because they realized that that protocol was actually killing people so yeah exactly so that's in the hospital <laughs> what about the states as well you look at um trump has got a uh, a 30 billion dollar emergency funding designated for hospitals and states blah 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 and what they've done as well in Alabama, think about this. The hospitals get $29,000 per case for someone they put on a ventilator. The Alabama state government gets 158000 per COVID-19 case. <laughs> Where okay? is this money coming from? <laughs> exactly. The Alaskan government, they get 306000 per COVID case. Okay. <laughs> Maybe, oh, okay, I've got to pay twenty nine grand to the hospital because they put them on a ventilator, but 
what happens to the other, you know, two hundred and you know eighty thousand dollars? You know, you've got one state here. There's, I think, Kentucky two hundred and ninety-seven thousand. There's um, Minnesota three hundred and eighty thousand dollars per COVID case. That's what the state government gets. So why are all the ministers and all the politicians saying, "Oh yes, we've got COVID, so many COVID cases here"? Why aren't any of the politicians calling this out? Oh, they're putting their hand in the paid, kitty. Yeah, they're getting paid ten times as much as the hospitals. Yep. So it's so much financial incentive in this, and yeah. that's what's pushing the whole thing. It's it's a scam, and it's a provable scam. It's a quantifiable scam. All you got to do there's one thousand doctors in Germany calling out that this is a hoax. Yep. You've got thirty doctors in uh, Victoria were calling out to Daniel Andrews that this is this is a fraud. Um, you've got thirteen of the top doctors in Victoria saying that the lockdown is causing massive health problems with people far worse than any pandemic. And yet Daniel Andrews is just going hell for leather and doing what he wants to do. And all these laws he's introduced in, in Victoria, he's done it without even – he's done it while Parliament isn't sitting. So where did the decision come? Who voted on any of this stuff? No, Daniel Andrews just said, I'm just going to do this. Parliament wasn't even sitting at the time. So where does his power to do any of this comes from? I know. This is dictatorial powers that he's doing. None of these laws – are justified. Yeah. None of them. And even the fines they're handing out, according to the Biosecurity Act that they're using to hand out these fines, there's a certain process that has to be followed. And they're not following it, are they? No, you can't just have a cop come and say, I'm fining you because you're out after dark. It doesn't work that way. There's three lots of forms you've got to hand people. You've got to, it's all, it's a procedure mm. and they haven't followed any of it. So I'm recommending that every single person who got one of these fines absolutely challenge the fine. Absolutely. Because I agree. they're all invalid and that, that'll be, that'll be beneficial in clogging up the court system for them anyway and costing them heaps of money. So do that. Challenge all these fines. Don't just go and pay these fines. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fine. funny you should say that because I posted that on our social media. I said, every single fine you get about this COVID bullshit, I was like, fight it, challenge it in court, opt to go to court because it will absolutely clog the system and people have been doing that and they're already getting letters saying oh we've dropped it you know we've we're no longer um finding you or we've released the charge or whatever it is the government is now you know because all the people are challenging it they can't keep up they're going yeah we're going to get stuffed here we'll be in court for for the next 20 years with these things you know what i mean they just don't have enough time to do it so they're just they're just relinquishing these fines and fees from people now it's working so i mean it really is working everyone just needs to challenge everything because they, we know that it's just it's based on a house of cards. It'll just fall. It'll just come crumbling down, and they know that. So that's why they're trying it. That's why they're saying, "Oh, we're, we're going to drop that fine. We're not going to. Don't worry about that fine now. We're we're going to relinquish you from that fine." So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all it's all scare tactics. <laughs> it is, and then knowing that it'll clog up the court system for a case that they can't possibly win because that's none of it, it is actually founded in law. That's and even it. if it was, they didn't follow that law to hand out the fines. They so know they they'll be exposed. They know they'll be exposed if they go on with that part of the hoax, Max. That's the thing. So that's why they're they're sort of saying to people, no, no, yeah, we'll just drop that fine. Just forget about it. Just do the right thing next time. You know what I mean? Like that's what they're doing because they know that they'll get called on the bullshit. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, mate. I wanted to um to ask as well. So we've seen and we we've literally seen the writing on the wall in terms of the World Economic Forum even coming in in their own writing talking about how they've got the plan for the reset. This is all about a reset in their point of view. Now, would you agree that this is now ushering in, this COVID hoax is what they use to usher in what we're now calling, I guess, the next global reset? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they do it every time. They have these these, uh, pandemics every hundred years. 
They've had them every every. They had one in 1620. They had one in 1720, 1820, 1920, and now here we are in 2020. They do it all the time. And you know, when you start really getting into history, something we were talking about pre-show here, mm-hmm. you start realizing the fact that most of our history has been fabricated. It's really not what people think it is, but that's a whole nother show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it really begins to make sense. You know, They do this every 100 years, and then they just teach the people whatever history they want, and then they do it again. They cull, cull the population every 100 years or so. And that's what they're doing now. And it's, it's all totally... Um, supported by their own things and their own their own propaganda that they're putting out like with all the big reset thing that they did did you see that concert that the un did the south pacific island and they had that that song about we're closing borders and covid 19's on the rise and a new world order from behind closed doors mm, yeah they, yeah they, they're telling you exactly what they're doing i think they've even got a, a new world order website now the, the World Bank or the United Nations has a UN, a UN NWO website to usher in the great reset that they're saying this has provided the opportunity for. This has made us realize that we need to have a financial reset and we need to reset. No, no, no. That was your plan all along and this was the trigger that you used to do it and you intend to depopulate three quarters of the world through the process. And that's what people aren't seeing through this. With Even with all the stuff we're doing, a lot of the stuff, you know, why it's so brutal in Victoria and why they why they are creating all of this theatre to get us riled up is so we're not looking at what's going on behind the scenes, which is a complete breakdown of the supply chains. You know, the, the government uh, said just the other day, oh, we're heading for, we're officially in a recession due to COVID. Well, no, it's not due to COVID and no, it's not a recession. It's a depression and it's going to be the worst depression that we've seen in living history. You know, and the food crisis is going to be absolutely next level because you can't create this international codependency and then just shut down international trade and expect people to be able to get through it. That's That's what what I wanted to to confirm. Sorry to just disrupt your flow there, but do do you think it's going to be, because everyone talks about, you know, and I think it was, I I starting to come to realization that maybe it was a bit of a misnomer that the vaccine is going to be used as the the depop tool. But historically, as we've seen, it's actually food that's done it, isn't it? Would you agree? food. Food is the depopulation tool. It's always the um, the it's choice. Starve them out, isn't it? Yeah. Starve yeah. them out. Look at Bolshevism. This is what they did in, in uh, the Bolshevik Revolution. It's what they've done time and time again. The vaccine will be used to um, track the people that are left. Whatever is in the vaccine. I mean, this whole thing is about the vaccine, this whole um, pandemic mm. testing and all. They, they want to vaccinate certain people for sure. I would suggest that's got to do with hydrogel. It's got to do with the whole transhumanist concept. You've got Elon Musk, Neural Net, everything that you know, Bill Gates. I mean, they're yeah, all involved. That that part of it to me seems like the technocratic agenda is that's the whole vaccination protocol yeah. system is tied into that technocratic part of the agenda. But yeah, I think you're right though. But, yeah. but most of the people won't take it. Most of that's the right. So even most of the mainstream people won't take the vaccine. But when you get to a point where everybody's dependent upon the state. You know, they've created a welfare state. They've taken everybody's jobs for them. And what they're doing with, the like, the lockdown now, with the way they're opening up businesses a little bit, and, you know, you can have a restaurant or you can, certain businesses can open, but you've got to have social distancing, so you can only have half the clientele you're supposed to have. You know, well, all the benefits and all the Centrelink payments and all this stuff, this is all going to stop this month. All the extra 500 bucks or whatever everyone's getting, this is all going to stop. And you're going to find mass poverty happening between now and Christmas. And these businesses that are open and trying to 
think things are going to go back to normal and they've got to bring all these new protocols in place. They're just using that. So these people will put what money they've got into trying to keep their business afloat and it's doomed to fail anyway. And they'll get to milk them of all their wealth as well mm -hmm. and throw them on the pile with everybody else, put them on the universal basic income. And when you're getting the universal basic income, there was a thing I put on my show the other day of the new um, Irish health passport that you're getting, which is what they've sort of got in China. It's a little app you download on your phone and you get a green, amber or red, whether your health, what your health status is. This will help us and make it easier for us to do things like shopping, visiting, going to supermarket, like everything, mm. everything. You're going to need this health passport to do anything. And naturally your test will expire after a certain time. So your health password will turn amber when it's time for you to go in and be retested. And you'll have to do that before you can purchase anything anywhere. That's how they'll do it. Yeah. You know? And in that situation, either you are self-sufficient, either you've got a couple of years worth of food stashed in your cupboard that you can survive and not go into town, not have to go shopping and not have to do that and wait for the whole thing to collapse, or you're going to have to comply. That's the way it's going to be. So that that's what I've been saying to people. Forced vaccination doesn't look like, you know, police coming to your door and making you take a vaccine. What it looks like is card declined. Coercion. Yeah, that's what it looks yeah, like. It's done via coercion. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So it's really... They're not going to force you. They won't make it mandatory, but they'll just limit your purchasing yeah. if your health passport <laughs> isn't up to date. But no, no, it's not mandatory. You don't have to get it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But you just can't go and buy food. But it's not yeah, mandatory. It's you just can't travel. But it's not can't mandatory. Can't work for us. Can't yeah. work for this can't, business. You can't have that job anymore. That's right, Ethan. But it's, it's not mandatory. Yeah, um, we might you, see you, you can't send your kids to school, but it's not mandatory, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we might see you as, as infectious if you haven't got your health passport, so we may have to put you under house arrest forevermore, and we'll have to deliver food to you, but it's not mandatory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, that's, yeah, and we're seeing that now. It's, it's a sad realisation that you can... That, that that is actually what's come into view in the viewfinder now we've sort of we've taken these snapshots of history over the time the last few months few years looking at the things being put in place and now coming into the viewfinder now we've just we've see, everything you've just said is what we've seen gradually starting mm. to, to happen and then what, what are you going to do if you don't have that and you think well no i'm not going to do it and it's going to become self-sufficient well they've just burned out most of australia so you can't really go and forage or hunt um, they're saying now in Victoria, they're scared of avian flu. We're going to have to cull tens of thousands of chicken, mm. have to kill all the poultry <laughs> and kill an untold number of emus. Why? Because in times of severe starvation, if it really comes down to the why, you can actually survive on one egg a day. There's enough protein to keep you going on one egg a day. So we can't have people keeping chickens and stuff, can we? You know. Mm. Everything they're doing is to make you dependent upon the state and to make sure you cannot be self-sufficient, so you have to comply with their policies. Mm. That's the way they're doing it, and they're just pushing people into it, and, and people aren't really having a choice because they're not looking at that side of it. They're too busy arguing over whether they need to wear masks and whether the government's corrupted and what we can do to fix dictator Dan and how brutal the police are and wasn't it terrible that woman was arrested and all the stuff they give you to concern yourself with so you just won't step back and actually look at what is happening and how we're being set up. There's a show I put out a couple of years ago called History is a Lie, We've Been Set Up, which lasted like a, about a week on YouTube before they deleted it, <laughs> which uh, outlined this whole thing. And that was like two years ago I put that show out, and it, 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 it basically outlined the situation we're right in now. I didn't include the pandemic because I didn't know how they, what trigger they were going to use. But, you know, and there's another – I said like on another show about um, – 
a year ago or, or 18 months ago, I said that I, the world we will be in lockdown within the next um, uh, 12 to 18 months. And that was about a year ago. I, I said on a, or 18 months to two years, I said on a, on a show about a year ago. So. Called it. You called it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it's funny you could have bet money on that. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy well. now. Now it's deleted from my from my main channel. People are going back and listening to the stuff on my old channel that I put up ten years ago, and they're going, "Wow, you, you absolutely nailed it. It's exactly where we are," you know. So it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's no fun being vindicated, but um, yeah, I know, I know that feeling. In, yeah. in a way, it's a huge opportunity. It's a, in a way, it's a huge opportunity for us to see what's really going on here and to push back. I mean, we could still take this country back. We could still um, stop complying with any of this. There's far more of us than there is of them. It's just getting the information to the sleeping masses so that they can see how much they're being played because, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people out there in, in general society actually think there's a, a pandemic, you know? They do. They do these... I call. I just refer to them as mask holes because, the, you know, like idiots, assholes wearing masks, but, you know, they're walking around everywhere with these stupid nappies on their face. Look, it's not so bad up here in Queensland, but I, I will say that... The big chains like your Bunnings and Kmart and Target and all that, you know, all these major big corporations, they've just put out these blanket policies for the whole co- for the whole company. So it's no matter what state you're in, you've deploy employees must wear a mask while they're on shift. You know what I mean? So the the poor kids mm-hmm. that you know, sixteen year old just trying to get a job, you know, for a few hours a week has been forced to wear these fucking nappies on their face for for their whole shift. You know, and it's just not fair. Like they can, and if they say anything, no, we'll just go get a job somewhere else, mate. You know, what I mean, this is the rule. You know, yeah. No, no matter, doesn't matter if any science, all the science doesn't even support this this stupid uh, mask wearing business. But it just doesn't matter. You just feel sorry for these poor kids. They just they won't have a job. You know what I mean? Like go and try and find a job somewhere else. Oh, they wear masks too. Oh, well, where do I find a job? You know, it's it's really tough for people, Max. It's it's hard. Um, it is. I, I went to Bunnings the other day and they all had masks on. Mm. I, I actually said to the lady, "Look, I can't I can't understand what you're saying to me." With That's what mask. I say. Yeah. Can you can you take the mask off, please? You know. I'd say, you know, it's bad for your health, don't you? And she said, I didn't come to work to be yelled at by someone for wearing a mask. I said, I'm not yelling at you, darling, you know? Yeah. Um, I just can't understand. They get all defensive. They defend that that, that, that the system, don't they? So, what, you know? so what, why don't you ask your boss why he's mandating the causation of harm? Why don't you ask your boss why you must perform an act of self-harm in order to come to work? Show him the studies done on wearing surgical masks, um, the studies done on doctors that are forced to wear surgical masks for longer than two hours during surgery shows that it causes hypoxia, it causes deoxygenation. Mm-hmm. If you're over 35 years of age, over two, after two hours of wearing a face mask, it will even begin to deplete the calcium levels in your bones. There is massive amounts of peer-reviewed medical studies that show clearly that wearing face masks is bad for your health. If you're claiming yeah. I must wear a mask to protect me or to protect you from me, please show me proof of claim. Yeah. You know? It doesn't because work. You, they don't work. Yeah. Well. You, you don't have any, you know, and, and you're asking me to perform an act of self-harm. And if this is being mandated and legislated by government, isn't it illegal to mandate the causation of harm? I'd like to know what politician is mandating that I must perform an act of self-harm in order to leave my home and I'd press charges against him for reckless endangerment of the public health. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. why hasn't anyone ever said that? You know? Yeah, good call. Exactly. Why hasn't anyone said that? It doesn't make I mean, sense. Yeah, it's, 
it's pretty obvious. I mean, can you show me, Daniel Andrews, you're mandating the wearing of these masks. Show me what scientific evidence that you have or medical evidence you have to back it up. And don't tell me it's a recommendation of the chief medical officer. Tell well, me. Well, where did they get that information if, from? If that's know? what he's recommending, then why on earth is he the chief medical officer? Because what everything he's saying goes directly against peer-reviewed medical studies. So what studies is he basing that information on? And if you haven't even looked at this and you're just taking his word for it, then you're an abuse of the office that you hold. You're too stupid to even hold that office. I, I have no confidence in your ability to govern. I have no confidence in your ability to be able to discern between right and wrong or even tell a basic truth. What are you doing there? You can't mandate the, the causation of harm. This is reckless endangerment of the public health. I wish to press charges against you for abuse of office, reckless endangerment, and anything else I can think of. I mean, that's what people need to do. Yeah. They honestly do. Well, hasn't he you got know? a few, um, Ethan, you might have heard of this too. They've got a, like a, He's got a couple of billion dollars worth of lawsuits that have been placed against him, um, like class actions, just recently. Yeah, absolutely, General. And they've been moving behind the scenes to, to also change... Um, some of the regulatory um, rules that are behind um, class lawsuits now, especially in Victoria. They're trying to change it so that everyone has to be registered. Um, I don't have the exact details on me, but they have to be registered with the ACCC or something like that mm. um, to be able to do it. And it's it's sort of consolidating it, which will mean that um, other companies, say if, say if you or me had a million dollars, for example, General, we couldn't support a class lawsuit action by giving them money unless we had the correct registration so it's going to eliminate a lot of the funding that class actions have behind them to to fight against it so this is all happening behind the scenes at the moment down there <laughs> yeah well see this has all been done by an invalid corporate government anyway which is a bit exactly. invalid since yeah. 1973 that's right so, i mean you look at what happened in 1973 then you look at the, that compounded by the australia act in 1986 these people haven't got a, a leg to stand on even under their own law Yep. So so, the Royal uh, Styles and Titles Act of 1973 is when they got they, they brought in or whatever it was, and that's when it started kicking off everything, yeah. Exactly, and we've got a Prime Minister who swore allegiance to her majesty, her majesty, <laughs> right? <laughs> Queen Elizabeth, the Queen of Australia. The Queen I mean, of Australia, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you stumble over a word when you're being sworn into office, you, you say the sentence again. For sure. You don't say her majesty if you don't mean to say that. It's a mockery. It's an intentional it's, mockery. Absolutely. The manager, mm -hmm. the fictitious manager, this, this female entity we created and called the Queen of Australia who doesn't actually exist. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's a completely invalid government. It's racketeering. We've got a bunch of corporate criminal racketeers masquerading as government. So he gives a shit what they write on paper. You know, if, if they put all this stuff in place to say that we can't do this, we can't do that, well, fine. We'll form common law courts and we'll, we'll try them ourselves and we'll take them out back and build a gallows, you know. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. come down to that. What they're doing in Victoria, it's come down to that. It's come down to the point that people need to pick up their pitchforks and go down to Parliament House. They yeah, really well, do. And Sorry, yeah, Gary. That's well, a good point. Yeah, well, it's a great point there. Like, we talk about all of these court cases and these class lawsuits and all of this stuff, but again, you... You're, you're trying to, to win the battle within a corrupt and invalid system to Correct. begin with, you know, and these people that are controlling it, are they're not aware of, of this. They've been indoctrinated through their own system to not even know the history of that system itself, mm -hmm. to know the laws and to know what's, what's come into play. So I can see where it comes from with that, with, you know, 
as much as much as it's good to make those efforts, it's you're almost fighting an uphill battle trying to beat the system within the system. It's going to come oh, yeah, from outside of the system. Yeah, Sorry, you're mate. walking into that corrupt line, Dan. I mean, when you look at it and you think it's all corporate law, which means it's all fiction, it's all legal fiction, okay? It's a cloud. It's a fiction. It's like steam. Mm. So you're going in with there with a sword into the steam room to fight the steam. Exactly. What are you doing that for? It's <laughs> yeah. a cloud. Why are you fighting a cloud? You already called it legal fiction. Why are you fighting a fiction? How sane are you if you're giving your energy to a cloud? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if I ever have to go to court, I basically walk in there with the attitude of who the fuck are you people that think you have any right of ownership over me? Mm-hmm. You know, and I approach it in that way and I leave the courtroom. You know, I don't go in there and just say that, but you go in there with that attitude. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a cloud. If there's a matter that involves my legal name, I'll go in to sort the matter out. But you've got to, you know, there's obviously a bit of a mistake because I'm a living man. It doesn't matter what you do with all this legal name stuff, you know. And even when you start looking into Romney Stewart and all that, even the dog Latin and all the fiction that they've got there, all the bullshit, what on earth do people think they can go in there and create some legal challenge towards this when it's all bullshit anyway? And it's been bullshit since 1973. Mm, so why don't you just go in there and call bullshit? Yeah, that's my what? thoughts exactly, Max. Absolutely. You know, it's 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 not you can't see it through this this narrow perspective anymore, you know, for the no. people out there that are taking this route because this route's been taken for so many years. You'd be the same, Max. The amount of people that I've known that have gone to court have done, you know, straw man arguments, which are legitimate arguments, but it doesn't matter because there's a whole courtroom with men full of guns there that don't care what you're saying. They're going to follow their stupid little thing anyway. Yeah. And that's why I like that we're talking about self-sufficiency, about common law courts, about things that are revolutionary and new and innovative, things that we can do outside of the system as opposed to going from within. That's yeah, right. well, we've got to do all of it. We've got to do all of it. I actually had a conversation with Ricardo Bossi this morning, who mm. is the head of the Australia One Party, which is a new political party, which is um, starting with the form of getting these governments out of power because we've got a one-party system here. It just looks like a two-party system. Yes, of course, yeah. And uh, and he's, he's with the, the attitude that, well, if we're going to have government, then it should be us. And it should be a sovereign government of the people for the people, and it should lead the, the people back to a point where they don't need government. But how do we do that? Because a lot of people believe they need government, so that's that's the the angle we got to approach. We got to go in there. So if okay, if there's going to be government, it should be us. It should be the wake the awake people, the people who actually care, people with integrity. Because we certainly don't have that any in this current crop of criminal parasites masquerading as government. So, and I'm I'm all for that as well. We need to go in there and we need to create get barristers and create class actions and do all this stuff. I don't expect to win, but do it because it's throwing a spanner in their wheels. And we need to create a political party and go in there and try to, okay, if they're going to constrain us by the legal system, then let's us take over the legal system and become the legal system, and then we can hold them to account under their law. Let's yeah. do it that way as well, and let's do it through common law courts, and let's also look at what the tribes are doing and go back to tribal law. Because we've got a really, really unique um, opportunity on this country to move back into tribal law and step out of the crown jurisdiction altogether, because that has been acknowledged to actually exist on this country, even under their own corrupt corporate law. That's they right. really shot themselves in the foot with all the stuff they've done with that, with the Recognition Act, when they recognise that there are two mobs here, there are two tribes here, there's the crown people and there's the tribal people, and they have their own separate law. And then there was a high court ruling in the high court uh, this year on February 11th, the case of the Crown versus 
love, where it was decreed that there are three types of people on this country. There are citizens, there are aliens, and there are non-citizen, non-alien, and that's the tribal people. And they are under their own jurisdiction and under their own law. So we can step out of that tribal. We can step out of crown law and into tribal law anytime we want by treating or uh, becoming adopted with the tribes. So that's another way out of this mess. And if people were to do that, people were to step back into trouble, well, nothing would change. People wouldn't lose their land. It's not like giving the land back to the Aboriginals, is what people are saying. Well, the, the Aboriginals even, never owned the land. They were the custodians of the land. Exactly. Yeah. And, they, and, and even the word Aboriginal is an abomination. There isn't any such word. There is no such person as an yeah. Aboriginal. These, these are tribal people. Yeah. But um, that's, a, that's a whole other thing. But... You know, if people were to, to, to give their land back to the tribes, the tribes then would make them the custodians of their own land and they actually own their land because they don't under Crown law. Nobody yeah, in Australia right. actually owns their land. That's right. That's so, exactly right. You know, and, and the, 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 uh, the corrupt crown, that the imposter crown that is in control of this country now has even acknowledged that under their own law. So that they've really shot themselves in the foot. So that's another way out of this mess. You know, we've got so many ways out of this if we could just Great get point. the word out to mm. the people. You know, mm. But we've got to do all of them. We've got to do every approach because, I mean, a lot of the sleeping masses, the only thing they're going to understand is this new maverick political party coming through like Donald Trump from Australia or whatever, you know. So, um, and that's where Bossy, uh, Ricardo Bossi's party could actually make a difference in that. Interesting. So, and uh, I was speaking to him this morning. He seems like a, a pretty decent sort of a guy. Um, yeah, he, he seems to have his, his uh, heart in the right place and he can totally agrees about the parasites that are running this country and the need to get them out of power. I sort of felt the same way, I guess, about Rod Cullerton too. Like, I think I thought Rod was doing a good job because you know, he's just a farmer who got fed up with everything and wanted to... Yeah, but he's doing it through the whole Crown and Queen thing. He, he, he is, that's right. He's going through that whole High Court and the... And the um, the the what's that council over in UK now where the the yeah, privy the privy council, council that's right well, yeah see, even even with what a lot of the tribal people are doing like with what my friend Gunham's doing um, because there's a real void here in Australia at the moment because um, with what Rod Culton did he went over there basically put that um, decree there and basically said look you know the country's been stolen from you by these these criminals and the Queen acknowledged that mm. when she acknowledged that she acknowledged that she is currently not the monarch of this country. Right, that's a important thing. It's a massive she, yep, thing, yeah. Yes, I am. I am not the current monarch because the country's been stolen. So what um, Gunham did was he went over there with his uh, the Australian Sovereign Tribal Federation, and he and he's already got all the the, the paperwork there and all the, the the confirmation that when um like when uh was it, um what was the guy's name Arthur Philip when he first arrived here in Australia and he walked up and he claimed the country for England. As soon as he took seven steps up the beach and put that stick in the ground with the rag hanging off it and said, I claim this country for England. As soon as he took seven steps up the sand, he was subject himself to the law of the land. And there were already 30 nations here. And he broke the law of this mm, land mm. by claiming it for somebody else. Now, what, what he did is the equivalent of me sailing over to Europe and sailing onto the shores of Denmark or France or wherever, Spain, and sticking a rag with a stick on the ground and saying, I claim Europe. And it's okay because Scott Morrison said I could. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing, you know. Mm. I'm not just claiming Spain. I'm claiming all of Europe, claiming the whole continent, you know. So it's the same thing. And they've acknowledged that that was, that was a fraud. So when Rod Carlton put that in place and the Queen acknowledged that she is no longer the monarch of Australia, suddenly there was a void. And what, what Gunham did is he went over there and said, well, okay, well, I'm claiming the country for the tribes. 
and they're waiting for the Privy Council to reconvene to decide that. And, mm. and what I've been saying to him, I said, look, I, I love what you're doing, but I don't think the Privy Council is going to reconvene. I don't think we're going to see the Queen come back into uh, – we're not going to see anything go back to the way it was. The Queen is not in control of England because didn't, didn't Isn't she sort of MIA at the moment? Like Buckingham Palace is like – you know, yeah, taking the crest yeah. down off the gates and it's locked up and like there's well, all this you know, sort of could, weird shit happening. Yeah, could just all be being cleaned. But but this is a reset. This is the hundred year reset. That's right. So That's you know, I wanted what, to bring it what, back to that point. What Gunham is doing with the tribes and all that and waiting for acknowledgement of the Privy Council is is all all good and well, but um, for that to have happened, it probably needs to have happened last year, not this year, because this year everything has changed. And things are not going back to the way they were. It's taken him a little while to figure out. Actually, yeah, he, he's seen now that no, things aren't going back to the way they were. But the point is, you know, it's already been acknowledged by them. And and the fact is that this this government's invalid anyway. So there's nothing to stop the tribes reclaiming control of this country anyway, because it's already been acknowledged by the currently sitting power in this country as invalid as they are. It's the already high, been acknowledged that this is law. Yeah, 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 it's already been mm. acknowledged that this is real. It's all—it's a done deal, you know. Even getting the little signing from the Privy Council is irrelevant at this point, because that whole system is changing. It's all going down. Mm. So you know, we're in a really unique position on this country that we can do that. And I've—I've I've personally been adopted into the tribes. I've—I've I've been adopted into a, a Western Australian tribe, the Numbal tribe, which is up at awesome. James Price Point, and that was back in twenty. 11 i think i was adopted into the numbal so i can claim i can claim my my rights under tribal law because they, even that's been set under their law as well because there was a case i think it was barnaby joyce uh, there was a, a conflict because barnaby joyce was born in wales and he's an australian politician and mm. you know, how can this be can he still claim his welsh birthright and blah 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 and it was decreed by the high court that, that a, a, um, a person retains their birthright. So he still has his Welsh birthright. So therefore, um, the tribal people still have their birthright decreed by the High Court. And according to uh, adoption laws, the adopted child has the same birthright as the born child. So as an adopted tribal man adopted into the Numbal people, I retain the same birthright as a, a born Numbal man. So therefore, I am completely uh, under tribal law should I choose to be so. So I have a coat here that I can put on and I can I can put that coat on and I can use the instruments of the crown because I'm forced to use those instruments in order to live life. Like I can have a driver's license and a registration on my car so I can travel from A to B without getting harassed by agents of the state every five minutes. You know, they force me to use those instruments, so I'll use them, but I'm not bound by them because I can take that coat off and I can step into tribal law and say, what jurisdiction do you have on my country? Mm. And they don't have any. Yeah. Right, man, I need to get my ass adopted by the Yugambia people that's close to me or something. You, know, like... <laughs> you need to find your, you need to find your tribe, your local tribe. You need to develop a rapport with them. You need to find the local your lawman for that tribe. You need to ask to be uh, to treaty with them, or to be adopted uh, into the tribe. Wow, that sounds like we should we should cover that on another episode too. That sounds absolutely fascinating. That's like, a good good way to get really, around it. Yeah. This is a really unique position we have in this country. Absolutely. It, it really is, because they've acknowledged that they had no right to... Uh, and even when Arthur Philip came here, the, the Queen... Was Queen Victoria or Queen... It was, might have been King George, or whoever was the ruling monarch at the time, um, had decreed that he's, he, they weren't to, to take over the country. They would come here to, to start trade, you know, and you would leave the local people to, to their local law, you know. So 
the whole thing was a, a fraud. The whole thing was a fraud right from the very beginning, and they have no jurisdiction here. It was like the boat people came; they just never left. There was never a war. There was never a treaty. There was never. They just came, and then they took over and, and did all this shit, and they never left. Mm. You know? mm. And they've acknowledged that themselves. So they've really shot themselves in the foot. Like the Recognition Act, Julia Gillard absolutely shot the government in the foot with the Recognition Act. You know, they recognised because they wanted to bring the tribal people into the constitution. Oh, we've recognised that there's two mobs here and the tribal people, the Aboriginal people, they're not under the same law that we are, so we need to bring them under our wings so everybody's safe and looked after, you know what I mean? Yeah. All their books. And um, the tribal people just, they set it all up for that to happen. And, oh, gee, because, you know, they set up the Sovereign Tribal Federation and, and said, well, look, we've got this, this kangaroo skin here that's got all these signatures of all these tribes and we're a federation. And here's us and here's you and what are you going to do about that, you know? And so Julia Gillard thought, oh, wow, this is – and she converged with people and then suddenly announced the Recognition Act and all this sort of stuff. And they had the big announcement in Parliament that they were going to do it and they brought the tribal people in there. And the tribal people, as soon as they made the announcement, they said um, – no, there was a little window there where, where some papers had to be delivered onto the floor and Gunnam and a bunch of the elders were there and they just threw the papers over the balcony and said, there you go. Thank you for making that legal distinction. No contract. And uh, it was great. I love it. I love it, it. Was, it was great, you know. And they were just like, "Oh, oh yeah, what, what, what a massive slap in the face to them." I love it. That's so good. It's fantastic, you know, because it was like how because and they worked on it. He worked on it for quite a while, for years. I mean, he was thinking, how can we, how can we get them to acknowledge that we have we hold the law on this country and get them to pay for it and get them to acknowledge it. So and that's the way they did it. And yeah, they, they bought into it. That was very cunning by the the elders. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, it was really good, really good. I love. Can loved, I, I um it. I, just 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 segue back um uh, because we we look we had I didn't I, we, Ethan and I talked about it just briefly before we brought you into the show, but obviously um Saturday the fifth of uh, September there was pro- protests, you know, freedom rallies and picnics and things that we call them around the nation. Uh, Brisbane, of course, had theirs. Ethan was in attendance with Andy from the show as well. Um, I just wanted to get your take on it because, and here's a tough question. I'll ask you this question as well, Ethan. So actually, Ethan, I might get you to answer first and I'll I'll, um, swing back around to Max and get Max's take on it too. Do you, in in your honest opinion, boys, Ethan first, do you really think that the protests, these freedom rallies are actually effective? And by that I mean in terms of creating the positive change that we need to see like what what did it do what did these rallies and freedom these freedom rallies and protests what did it actually do did it did it have an outcome did we have any impact like i just want to know from your in your honest opinion you know was it effective ethan yeah it's a good question general um i've been fairly critical of protests in general for a number of years now i've gone I first got into all of this going to protests and just creating videos. It was the only content that I used to make back in the day. And I used to go to pretty much every protest that there was under the sun, rather you know, regardless of whether I agreed with it or not. You know, I went to, you know, just dozens and dozens and first dozens time I of met rallies. you was at a rally. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I went to, to get all of these rallies and, you know, I I recognized a, a regular pattern from the rallies, you know, that these people had to apply to the council to get their permits. They got, you know, they get their route, they get their time, they get the police escort and, you know, then everyone else goes off and does things. For me, um, 
rallies aren't effective is more so they're they're a symbol you know i've started to see them especially in states like victoria i think they're important as a symbol and as a like one of the feelings that i get from the rallies is almost like a recharge sense a boost a a positive upspring you know it's almost like a a beam of light shining through the darkness but it's not necessarily effective as it will affect change you know in fact it's it's almost like as they were talking about it's almost this perpetual loop where the media then get more things to talk about the narrative continues and and you know the people keep showing up and it just continues on Uh for me protests aren't necessarily um effective um they're more so a, a symbol just to show that um you know that we are here that we're not going to to submit but yeah, it is. It is a very difficult question. It, to be honest with you, General, I don't think that rallies are effective. But especially in states like Victoria, like if we were under the same lockdown conditions here, I'd be going out. I'd probably be getting arrested. Not because I think that that will change anything or that will wake up anyone, but because it's more about a symbol. It's more about being on the right side of history, and that's what I think it's all about, General. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and I actually would tend to agree with that. But uh, Max, what's your thoughts on it, mate? Yeah, look, I, I can agree with all of that. I think that rallies are good for showing solidarity. You know, there's people out there who think the same as you do. Sometimes they can be um, do the opposite because, you know, as many people as you would have liked to have shown up didn't show up and therefore you think you aren't supported when really you are. So, mm-hmm. um, But ultimately they don't achieve too much. They give the government uh, an idea of what the resistance response will be, what the level of response will be. You know, they get speakers up you know you'll march to a certain area and people will get up and shake their fist and um but at the end of the day everybody goes home and thinks well we did something today and really you didn't you know if, if you're going to have a rally uh, it should be like what they've done in berlin you get you know five million people who are all marched to parliament house and stay there you know and p- those people brought food yeah. for two weeks you know yeah yeah uh, and they say that they're not leaving until the government does is what they're saying you know so a rally with that type of a, a an idea, you know, if, if you've got a problem with the government and you're having a, a march, a freedom march, ultimately, I mean, you should, be, you should be going to government and calling them to account. If you're not doing that, then, then what's it really for? Yes, you know? that's okay. I'm sorry to interject, but I just wanted to, because that's the point I was trying to get to, and you both kind of said the same thing, and I completely agree. That's, that's to me, that's just in a nutshell. That's exactly why I agree with, because... You know, we're all there unless we're there with those pitchforks, like you said earlier, overthrowing them and getting them to and holding them account for the things that they've done to us. Then, then yeah. what's the point? Yeah, you, we have a problem. You've, you've, um, you know, people being um, cited for incitement in Victoria. <laughs> the only people who, who need to be in, uh, cited for incitement is Daniel Andrews. Yeah, because he's inc- he's incited the people to on the verge of revolution. You know, and and these lockdown laws. This is incitement claiming this is a pandemic and you have to take everybody's jobs from them to keep them safe. This is incitement. It's incitement to revolt. Absolutely is what it is. So, I mean, that's if, if you're going to march somewhere, identify the problem and then go and solve the problem. We have a problem with these people. Come out here and explain yourselves or fuck off. It's as simple as that. We'll get someone else to go in there and run the place because any any garden variety pickpocket could run the state better than you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, that's the sort of attitude you need to have. I mean, people 
the the best protest, like I said during Occupy Wall Street, you don't need to go and occupy Wall Street. You need to occupy yourself. We already occupy the entire earth, but we don't occupy ourselves. We think we need authority. We think we need people to rule us. Why do you believe you need people to tell you what to do? Why can't you be responsible for yourself? Why can't you occupy your own spirit in your own body and stand proud and stand tall and do the right thing in all that you do? If you did that, we would change the world in a day. You don't need to go and occupy Wall Street. You don't need to march to Parliament House. You don't need to do any of these things. All you've got to do is change your perspective and change the way you operate. The problem is that you need everybody to do it. You know, so how do you get that information out to people? Yeah. You know, I mean, protests can serve a, a purpose in a way, but um, in, in many ways they're counterproductive. I was supposed to go to the rally in Brisbane yesterday or yesterday? Yeah, uh, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday, but uh, I had a series of. I got up in the morning. I was actually going to go up with um, Pete Evans, the chef. Mm-hmm. He was going to pick me up, and uh, I got I got up and I was going to check my email, and then I got a call on Skype, and it was for an interview that I'd forgotten that I had, and it was a two-hour interview which went till eleven o'clock, and then after that I checked my email, and there's a message there from Pete at like quarter past nine or something saying I'm coming over to pick you up. What's your address? And here it is, quarter past 11, and I'm thinking, okay, well, he's already gone, obviously. So I sent him an email, I said, oh, fine, I'll make my own way up. And then I got organized and got everything ready, and about I'm ready to leave about half past 11. I get in the car, and I'd left the interior light on in the car from 9 o'clock the night before, so my battery was flat. <laughs> so I had to take the battery out of the car and put that on charge. And by then, it's like, you know, it's 1.30, 2 o'clock, and I'm thinking, well, it's, a, it's an hour and a half for me to get to Brisbane. But then it's going to be three, four o'clock when I get there and everything's over. So um, that was the end of that. Yeah. It just didn't happen. Yeah. And I thought, well, spirit doesn't want me to go for some reason. All of these things happened and there it is and I missed the day. So Yeah. Um, Look, I went to the one. There was one in Brisbane a couple of weeks ago as well. We had a bit of a little freedom picnic rally and there was probably about 300, maybe 400 people there at that one. And, and, and it was wonderful. It was good. There was good speakers and... You know, we were sort of uh, Andy and, and his colleague Danius were there, so we got some really good video footage and we put those videos up, and it was a, a great vibe and a good feeling. And it's really nice to hang with, like you said, you know, the like-minded folk who agree with you, and we're all talking to each other and we're all agreeing with each other. You know what I mean? But we're not really attracting the bystanders coming over, going, "What are they on about?" And oh, I want to jo- join part. You know, like because there was a there was a police presence, of course. There was about you know twenty odd cops hovering around watching and making sure we didn't do anything stupid and blah 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 but yeah other than that you know like i said other than a good feeling and a good vibe and connecting with some with some people which is a good thing that really it really didn't really achieve anything um not not nothing nothing solid nothing where you can go yep this is what we did today it was more like oh i've got some flies from this person and they're gonna follow me and i'm gonna follow what they do and I had a good chat to some people and you know added a few more friends on facebook or something and when I when I really look at it and weigh it up and and, and you know I, and no disparity to to the people in the organizers and stuff, but I just don't think it really did anything. You know what I mean? Like, and I kind of hate that, but at the same time, like I want the best for them. I have these good vibes and good feelings for these people doing all this, and you know, it's it's a lot of effort. You know, it's it's a lot of effort to go through and organize these these rallies and speak and all that sort of stuff. And I appreciate the the, the effort put into it, but. I don't see what it really actually achieved, you know, and that's what kind of saddens me a little bit. Well, it does, like I said, it does provide that outlet for people. It does provide that strength for them to see that there's other people around them. Yeah, that are and people need that. People really do yeah. need that, especially they in these times. To, yeah, yeah, they want to be able to get out and feel a little bit of solidarity with someone else. You know, the problems that we're facing, though. I mean, even even if if 
we were to go and, and march down to Parliament House with our pitchforks and, and pull them out and put new people in there. Um, the problem is that it, this whole system isn't really being run by governments. They're just the puppets. They're just the figureheads. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's mm -hmm. a whole yeah. thing going on behind the scene, the whole AI takeover, the smart grid, the tech. You know, if you really want to um, stop what's coming, everybody needs to throw away their smartphones, number one. That's the first thing you should do. Throw away your smartphones and go back to shopping with cash. And that would really change things. That would slow things down to such an incredible degree. I'm definitely doing one of those things, that's for sure. I paid cash with as much things as possible. <laughs> but see, I don't even own a smartphone. And um, people are amazed at that. People ask me for my phone number, so I don't have one. You know, And um, the smartphone is the new world order. I've been telling people to throw these things away for years. You know, when you look at the whole AI grid that's coming online, you look at the cashless control grid, you look at how everything's been integrated, 5G, what it's really all about, which is mass surveillance. Um, the problem really, as much as I hate to say it, is the internet. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's um, a curse, but if, a, a great tool at the same time. <laughs> well, in, in 2015, we crossed the Rubicon as far as our dependence upon uh, internet and technology to run our basic services to survive, run our food chain, our electricity grid, our communications grid. Um, really, when you look back and you start looking at even prophecies and get biblical about it and the concept of, of the end times and Lucifer and all that sort of stuff, you look, ever looked at um, uh, witchcraft and scrying mirrors and sigils and these sorts of things? You ever got into any of that? Not you know personally, no. A scrying, a scrying mirror is a black mirror that okay. you look into. You set certain sigils in place, apparently, and you, you'll set up a little room with these sigils and... and you look into your scrying mirror and the scrying mirror will tell you everything you need to know. It'll show you the future and the past and it'll answer all your questions for you. But I started looking at this and I started thinking, well, these scrying mirrors, these black mirrors and these sigils that you use, when you look at the sigils, they look like electronic circuitry and the black mirrors, these are your cell phones and your Phone computer screen. screens. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the warrant, these aren't, these aren't little things that are put there for you know people to do little you know, backyard witchcraft and have their coven, they've put there as a warning that when you see these sigils in use and you see these scrying mirrors in use, you are about to bring into life the Lucifer system. What is Lucifer? Lucifer, if you break the word down, Lucas light, cipher code. What is light? Light is information. You go into a dark room, you put a light in there and it gives you information about the room. You can see where you are now. Light is information. The bearer of light, Lucifer, the bearer of light, the bearer of information. What gives us more information than anything? The internet, Lucas, light, cipher, code, the code that bears the light. When you see the sigils and the scrying mirrors, you're about to give life to Lucifer and you're going to give all of your power to it and then it's going to shut you out and you're just going to all starve and die. And that's what happens every time. And that's why these warnings are left in place. Like I say, when, I, when we start getting into history and start really looking at history, we have cyclic resets that happen every 100 to 200 years. And I would suggest that the technology we're using now is not new technology, it's old technology. They filter it out every time. They tell us that there's been an industrial revolution. Then we see the invention of the radio and the television set and all this stuff that they've already got. So they just roll out and they feed us whatever history they want. And then we see the gradual progression up to the point where we're using the scrying mirrors. We give all our power away to the, the, the electronic system. And then it takes everything from us. And it does it every time. 
And that's what we're heading for now. That's what the reset is. And that's why, it, you know, even when we're looking at this saying we need a revolution to bring down our governments and put new government in place, that's all very well. But if we're not paying attention to the AI grid behind it, the technology behind it, the major companies that are running this technology, the real government going to head for the same place. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. Ethan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah, that's a good explanation. Spot on. Yeah, Spot I agree. On, Max. Uh, Max, it's, an got... thing, it's an interesting thing to think about. Another thing I want to point out, I just want to mention Please before do. we get on to something else, is um, you know the deep underground bases that are everywhere? Yeah, the dumbs, yeah. The big, deep military bases. When you look at the timeline we're given for the Industrial Revolution, you know, 100, 200 years ago, you look at these deep military underground bases, do you really think that they were built in the last 200 years with this technology that we've got now? Or do you think they were actually already there and they that's where they bring the population and they repopulate the world every 100 years or so? You look back at 1880 when they repopulated the world with children, you can look up orphan trains, look up... Uh, <laughs> this, found, is, this is the fantastic stuff I wanted to get into you with you on that Tartaria stuff yeah. too. The foundlings, mm. orphan trains, how they repopulated the world with children. Look at the story of the Pied Piper of Hamelin, how their children were stolen. You can go to Hamelin, Germany, to that village, and they will tell you that that story is based on a real event when mm-hmm. their children were stolen. And it wasn't just Hamelin. It was all across Europe. Where did they go? In the story of the Pied Piper to Hanlon, the Pied Piper took them underground into a cave. Were, are the 8 million children that are stolen every year, that go missing every year, are they taken to underground bases? Are these the children they intend to repopulate the world with after the reset that we're about to go through? You know, these are things that people mm. need to consider. Uh, oh, and, you know, yeah, wow. Actually, you know, that's and it's that's has entered also, I guess, pop culture as well too. We've seen a bit of that in, you know, how they, they we sort of get, an inkling of what's really going on, but they, they put these these, I guess, clues in in pop culture for us to sort of see. Ethan, have you ever heard of or seen the games? You may have as well, Max, because I know you don't mind a few bit of uh, video games, things like Fallout. Those Fallout games with the vaults yeah. underground. Yeah, yep. Yeah, like it's yeah. very similar to what they're talking about. You're waiting underground for the time to come out. You know what I mean, and to repopulate yeah. the world. You know what I mean? Like it's very telltale sort of stuff of what's probably actually going on. And these things, it may not necessarily be a a, a, a dumb for for example, but um, it, it could also maybe even tie in with that hollow earth kind of theory too. Like there's 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 underground below us that there's uh, you know tunnels and tunnel systems connecting all over the world and um, this, oh, there is. Yeah, there absolutely is. There is tunnel systems underneath everywhere. There's major tunnel systems stuff. underneath all of our cities. Even when you look at the uh, the tunnel system, the catacombs beneath Paris, where they've got six million bones in there. Mm. Did you see that? Six million bodies piled up in the catacombs beneath Paris, mm. all stacked like rolls of parchment in the walls, and yeah. um, femurs and skulls all stacked in the walls. And there's this one section, three kilometers long, where there's six million bodies in there. And that's just three kilometers. Those tunnels go on for at least 30 kilometers, and they're wow. multi-level. And how many bones are actually in there? And there's similar catacombs beneath Lima, beneath Rome. I would suggest there are also catacombs like that beneath Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Adelaide. There's a whole tunnel system beneath Adelaide they traffic children through. I've actually played in that tunnel system when I was a kid. It's a major tunnel system beneath uh, the city of Adelaide. Wow. Was that built, was that built by the, the when they came? Well, we've only been here a couple of hundred years. Well, yeah. Why have we got a major tunnel system beneath Adelaide? What's that doing there? When did they build that? What mm. for? Mm. You know? mm. Look at uh, look at the Queen Victoria building in Sydney. They built that in 18, 1820 or something. What, the convicts? When they came out here in 1780? 
1778, they built Queen Victoria building, as you do when you're colonising a country with convicts and you're killing all the Aboriginals. You you have these convicts that are just incredible stonemasons. They come here, they, they build a quarry. <laughs> exactly. And then, they, and then they, after they built the quarry, they dug the quarry, they built a brick factory so they can make the bricks to go and build these incredibly intricate European-style Gothic architecture with copper domes and stuff, as you do when you're colonising a country with convicts. <laughs> <laughs> or was that already here? Yeah, exactly. Cleaned exactly. up the real estate and took over what was already here. Mm-hmm. You know, because history is a lie. It's fascinating stuff, Max. Mate, um, I could really go, I could go on to that conversation because it is so fascinating. Um, but I really do want to say that for another episode because it's that's killer stuff, man. Um, I just wanted to get through. I've got four submitted questions from, from our... Um, followers on facebook and stuff i put it out that you're on the show today so i uh, said so look if anyone any questions please please submit them and I'll, I'll ask max and we'll try and get through a few of these if that's right with you you don't have to go too in depth if you don't want to but it's up to you man so um sam sam condon he follows the show he's a good fan of ours uh he says can can i come and visit your farm max if we're allowed to travel again i feel you're i feel like you're soon becoming michael kane's character from children of men he says, what do you think of protest numbers in Australia? Do you think it'll grow? I know we sort of touched on that before, but do you see those um, the, the people, more people taking to the streets in the coming months? I see more people pushing back, maybe not taking to the streets, but I see more and more people pushing back. I think more and more people are waking up all the time. And if we plant seeds everywhere we go, I mean, I plant seeds everywhere I go. Yeah, there isn't key. one shop I go to that I don't mention this. Anybody I see wearing a mask, I say, oh, you look lovely today. Smile for me. Yeah, and then I get into a big rave with them, you know. So. <laughs> I love it. All right, cool. Um, Rusty Rusty Woodpecker is his name. He says, Max, we need the private corporate security guards, in brackets, police, on our side. He goes, if government won't allow us to, pr- to protest in any form whatsoever, then we need to educate the sheeple on our true constitution of 1901. How can we do this when they won't listen? Yeah, it's a good question. That's a great they question. Won't listen. How long's yeah. a piece of string, Rusty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like um, it's John. What John Cleese once said: the only problem with true stupidity is that there is absolutely nothing you can do about it. Mm. And um, that's the problem we're facing. I mean, we need the police to break ranks. Unfortunately, they're in that big boys' club, and many of them don't. But I think when it comes down to the wire, we will see people break ranks. But I think if there's a a big enough pushback from the people, um, they won't have to. I mean, the, the problem with the police in this country is they're all part of the 104 club, you know, like they've actually reduced the IQ induction on police so you can actually be too intelligent. Yeah. If you score yeah. over if you score over 104 on the IQ test of the police induction, you fail. Mm. They, won't, they won't accept you into the force. They don't want people to be too bright. Well. Um, you just got to be smart enough to do the paperwork and do what you're told, but not really smart enough to think about what you're doing. Yeah, they want yeah. stormtroopers, not thinkers. That's right. That's the problem, you know. So our biggest, our biggest hope really is for the military to wake up to what's going on. I mean, there's certain people at high levels in the military, you know, some SAS guys and stuff. These are pretty staunch sort of people, you know, reasonably intelligent sort of people, strategists. Um, that's something that I liked about Ricardo Bossi. He was he's a ex SAS. So. I mean, a lot of the lower life plebs just do what they're told, but I think we're going to have more, um, find more strength and more power from the military in, in uh, people within the military who decide to break ranks, and perhaps some of the police will follow once they see them do that. Um, but unfortunately, in, in the highest levels of the police, as with the highest levels of government and media, it's one big pedophile club. Yeah, and it really is. Together. 
Yeah, and you've got to admit that. If people aren't prepared to admit that and realise that's why we don't ever get anywhere because you'll only ever get so far before it's blocked by one of these people who's in the club. And when mm. you realise these people are who are elected to the highest positions in any of these organisations, then uh, you're never going to find any remedy there. It's, it's only getting the, the lower people to break ranks and you might find some of the lower level police uh, people will break ranks once they see uh, people in the military doing that. And when the high-level people in the military do that, many of the lower-level people will follow because they respect their commanding officers. So, you know, mm, that's interesting. Hope, you know? Um, Trevor, good mate Trevor Robert. Trevor says, uh, he says, you'd love to know if you've listened to Stephen Spire's Stunned Mullet versus Truth Bomb phone call. And if so, uh, if you had any comments regarding the issues that he raised, particularly in regards to Victoria's lockdown being linked to its indebtedness to China and the IMF, if that makes sense. Uh, Absolutely. Did you listen to that? I listened yeah. to that this morning, actually. How good was um, it? It was a good good phone call. It was great. It was great. Like, he was on fire. He really yeah. nailed it. Too. Pity was only the secretary, but... Uh, I know. I really wish he got hold of the actual politician, but they would have just hung up the phone, I guess. I did, a, I did a similar thing with, with Daniel Andrews, only I wasn't quite as polite as him, but I, I really sounded off at Daniel Andrews' office about a month ago when he locked down the uh, apartment blocks before it even locked down the whole state. Right, yeah. I rang up. I probably, I probably got the recording. So, no, that was great, and he's spot on with what he said. Absolutely spot on with the, the whole Belt and Road. and Exactly. The that, but the thing is, it's going to come to the rest of Australia as well. It's not just Victoria. It's going to come to the rest of Australia. Even the theatrics of... Of Scomo saying you shouldn't have done that. I mean, they all they all work for the same thing. Exactly. People yeah. have to understand that there is no real enemies here. Like um, China isn't invading Australia. At the top, there are no countries, there are no nations. There's one big uh, multinational, multi-generational criminal cabal masquerading as a system of international governments and nations. That's off network. It's, it's all theatre. <laughs> it's all theatre. It's yeah. all, all theatre for the masses. Absolutely, um, yeah. There's no real enemies. They're all working together. The Chinese system, they've simply been incubating that in China, getting it all perfected. They want to roll that out to the rest of the world. This is just how they're doing it. It looks like it, it looks like it's all in debt and it's all Daniel Andrews has sold the country and he, he's done it all wrong and you know they're going to have China's taken over now. Now it's all planned that way. They just say, this is how you do it. This is how we're going to set it up in the West. And they've got to create some excuse to be able to do it. So they'll hang Daniel Andrews out to dry. Give him a billion dollars. He'll go off and hang in the Caribbean. Everyone will hate him. He doesn't care. Yeah, or he'll just get a job working for the government or, I mean, the Chinese government or another corporation that's behind it all. Yeah, he'll just wash his hands of the whole thing and people will forget his name. And then they can blame him for doing it and they can think it was all because of of debt and it was all designed and it was all because of, you know, why the country was... No, no, it's how they're introducing that Chinese system that they've been incubating, how they intend to bring it into the rest. You've got to create a backstory so it looks feasible to the people. Mm. And the people of Australia will look at what's happening in Victoria and they'll think, wow, it's a Chinese takeover. Daniel Andrews has sold us out. And that, then it'll be the big argument back and forth of who to blame. They're not looking at the bigger picture. No, it's it's always been planned that way. It's needed to find a way to put that chess move to bring it into the West. That's what they've done. Victoria is the first move. That's the first pawn they're playing. Now it's going to go out to the rest of the world in, in a similar way. And there's similar things happening in, in London. I mean, the police in London are being absolutely brutal. So, you know, it's going to come in everywhere. And what, what I guarantee what they're doing while the curfew is being rolled out while the curfew is in place in in, uh, in Melbourne, is rolling out all of this facial recognition, all the surveillance tech, all the social crediting stuff that they use in China. That's what they're setting Victoria up to be, which mm. is probably why it wants to extend the curfew for another two weeks because they haven't finished rolling all the tech out yet. 
Yeah, well, they've given him, voted on those powers and given him another six months of those um, emergency powers and stuff. You know what I mean? They wanted, yeah. well, what did he want? 12, wanted 12 months or 18 months, but they got six months. But in, in my point of view, it just seems to be a delay tactic. Yeah. That's the way they do. He only wanted six months. He only needs six months. That's why they say, oh, we're going to do it for 18. Oh, now we'll reduce it to 12. Oh, it's only six. And then the Europeans now, okay, we're happy. Yeah, he's sitting there rubbing his hands going, excellent. Yeah. Plastic sales. That was the plan. But they can't tell you six straight away or he's only going to be able to make it two. (laughs) So, you know, you've got to tell them 18 because you want to make it six. That's that's the way they do it. And that way the people think they actually, they got somewhere. They made some ground. They think they got a bargain. Like like the... (laughs) <laughs> just got locked down for another six months. You yeah. know? And while they're doing it, and while the airports are closed down and there's no international flights, you've got massive amounts of flights flying into Telemarine from China, LA, Taiwan, all over the place, flying in electronic equipment. All into, the tech. Into Victoria. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have one more question, but I don't even think I need to answer, ask it, but I'll, I'll do Chris the honours of asking it for him. He just goes, yeah, man, ask him what he thinks about our pathetic government and Daniel Andrews. I sort of already know the answer, but I'm keen for another fired up Maxi rant. I love it when he's fired up, but I think we've already done that. So I just wanted to ask, just to, to put that on the record that I did ask that to you. But again, we've already covered it, so it's all good. <laughs> I think so. I can fuck them. They're all buckets of shit of different flavors, and we need to hang them all out to dry. You know? yes, I have no awesome. respect for them. I have no respect in their ability to govern. I have no confidence in their ability to govern, to be able to discern between right and wrong, or even be able to tell a basic truth. They're a fucking bunch of parasites sites yep. masquerading as politicians i think we should get every politician in the western world and every politician in the world probably maybe a couple of good ones there maybe we have trials and see i don't know but we get them all we put them all on christmas island get all the all the politicians all the people who want to have a war and all the priests and we put them on christmas island we give them all a hammer and we let them have their war yeah. we could film it make a rally tv show it'd be great Oh, mate, that'd be fantastic. Pay-per-view. <laughs> and then we'll use that pay-per-view money to, to actually fund what we need done here in, in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, um, that's fantastic, man. Uh, Ethan, uh, any questions you want to, to shoot over to, to Max, mate? No, I think we've all we've covered everything general. Um, nothing more that I can chip in with. <laughs> <laughs> mate, yeah, I'm uh, very keen to definitely get Max on uh, on another show, and I really do hope you would love to oblige that need of ours, Max, to uh, to really get into that whole fake history stuff and and really flesh out a lot of those little rabbit holes that we opened up and and, and saw just a little bit earlier, especially with regards to you know the the using. The, two, the children as a reset tool and all that sort of stuff. It's just fascinating. And we it, the, the history backs it up. We've seen that it's happened before and we can see it starting to happen again. So, um, I'd, yeah, I'd love to get you on it maybe in about a month's time. But I'll, I'll tee that up with you, of course, afterwards. Uh, thanks so much again for coming on to, to this show, Max. Uh, anything else you'd like to just... Um, to tell the folks out there, I know you do this all the time and you've, you've, you've spoken plenty, but um, I guess we, we've we've told the people where they can find you, but anything else you'd like to add to the conversation before we wrap it up, brother? Um, no, not really. I mean, thanks for having me on, guys. It's been a pleasure and I'll, I'm happy to come and have a chat anytime. It's really good to speak to some Australians, actually. I usually do a lot of international stuff, so it's good to hear some uh, some common accents, you know? Awesome. Yeah, yeah I've so, noticed I mean, that too, looking on, online. I've found nothing but pretty much American shows that you've been on. So, yeah, it's good. And you're only, are you in Queensland yourself? You're on the Gold Coast somewhere, are you? Or... Or you northern New South Wales? Yeah, yeah, I'm just close to the border. Yeah, so you're 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 all close to us. So it's, yeah, it's good to have a local on as well, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I've, I've done a few. I've done a few shows with. Yeah, a bit of overlap there. Sorry, a bit of lag, but yeah, I mean, I've done a few Australian shows, but uh, it, it's good. And um, I first I mean, saw you, Max. Mustn't lose faith and mustn't lose. 
Am I still here? Yeah, you're still there. Sorry to interrupt, Max. I first um, heard you, mate, on Aussie Beach TV back in the day. Oh, yeah. uh, With Jack Russell. Marcus, yeah. Yeah, Marcus. Good friend, Marcus. He was... um, That was a great... um, You used to do a few interviews on Aussie Beach TV back in the day. That's how I got introduced to you, mate. He was good. I'm glad. I'm wondering why he stopped all that. He was awesome. Like, this is a lovely guy. It was it was good that it, uh, that whole thing he had going on there with the bikini girls and yeah, the yeah, it was yeah. awesome. He, sex, what a good what a good cells. way. Yeah, what a good way to get people's attention it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You, you have bikini girls walking down the beach asking people truth bomb questions. <laughs> I yeah. know it's gold. <laughs> yeah, it works on the Gold Coast. Why not? You know, yeah. so, that's what yeah. people understand. So. I don't think people would be yeah, fond of me good. walking around in a bikini. So I don't know if I could do that one. Um. <laughs> well, no, that's why you swim for the girls, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, that's good. I mean, no, it's good to come on. I mean, people mustn't lose lose hope in all this. I mean, there's a huge pushback happening. Like I said, they red-pilled the whole world. And I see nothing to fear of the impending collapse of this slavery system. It just depends on what system they want to introduce after that. And that's really going to depend on us as to whether we choose to participate in it or not. You know, And even if the, the sleeping masses do and they want to drag everybody else in, well, I won't go. I'm going to do something else. You know, I have no stake in the outcome of any of this. The trick to life is to be able to face infinity without flinching. You know, work the path of the warrior. So um, that's what we've got to do. I have no fear of death. I have no fear of anything they want to do to me. And uh, I think that uh, we're at a, a pretty interesting time in history, and it can go either way. So don't lose hope. The more negative they make it, the stronger people are getting. So. That's something positive to think yeah, about. Yeah, I think anyway. uh, I think resilience is built into the into humanity. So um, you're right there, man. Um, well, thank you again for for coming onto the show. Um, really, really enlightening stuff, and um, I really hope people uh, enjoyed having you on and the, where the discussion went. It went all over the place, but it was really good. I think we we sort of came full circle back around. But uh, it was really good to to get you on to, to decipher all this crap going on because a lot of people sort of. It's very confusing for a lot of people. They're still unsure about what's really going on in the world and, and where we're going and all this sort of stuff. So uh, it's once you sort of can see the picture and you've sort of helped put a lot of those pieces together to kind of fit those pieces in the jigsaw puzzle to get that final picture going for some people. So I uh, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, it would be great to have you on again soon. But I'll um, I'll let you go. Ethan, I'll get you to stick around a bit, but I'll, I'll let you go, Max, and enjoy the rest of your afternoon on, a, on a, what seems to be quite a beautiful day today. Thanks again, man. No worries, problem. Talk soon. Thanks, mate. Alrighty, cool. Um, thanks again. Well, it's great. What a what a awesome awesome guest to have on the show, especially to wrap up the season, man. Like, I've wanted to get Max on for quite a for quite some time, and I actually, um, Ethan, I I sent him because uh, you can go onto his website and fill out his contact I'm, form. To I'm get still it. here. Oh, you are still there. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you just hang out when you're ready, bro. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. All good. Uh, thanks, guys. It was, it was good. So, um, thanks, yeah, Max. I enjoyed. And and uh, send send me a message anytime, and I'll I'll come back. Roger that. Talk Roger that, man. I'll I'll send you a link to the podcast too, so you feel free to share it if you want to as well. Thanks, man. Yeah. Are you putting it up on YouTube or anything, or just on a? It'll be. Yeah, I might um, put a little snippet up. Yeah, Ethan, Ethan might do that on his end. I'll send you a link to the actual because we put them up on podbean.com. Um, that's where All I'm right. hosted. But I'll, I'll send you a link to the show when it's up on there, and you can do what you want with it from there on. But um, Ethan will probably also put together something as well. So I'll get him. Bef- I'll, I'll, I'll forward his email onto you, so uh, vice versa. Sorry, so he can he can get that to you as well. Oh, good. Skype's probably the best way. Just message me. Let me know you sent me an email. I get hundreds of emails. So oh, okay. All right, really cool. I'll, I'll put it on the Skype chat. So, yeah. 
All Thank good. Fantastic. All right, guys. Talk soon. Thanks, bro. Perfect. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. So good to have him on. He's just dropped the conversation there. Fantastic. Um, I didn't realize he was still listening. Like I wasn't looking at the screen. I was looking at my, <laughs> my phone. <laughs> He's like, I'm still here. <laughs> um, but yeah, how good to have him on for that last episode of the season. Um, we've been, I wanted to get him on ages and ages ago. I think because Vandy and I kind of talked about it after one of the shows another time. But I actually contacted him on his... I was just saying this before. I contacted him on his website by the contact form. But he said... He finally got back to me. He goes, oh... Um, had a problem with something it, it deletes the message body and he only gets the name and an email address <laughs> on the email that he gets in because i did this big write-up on an email and the message body saying G'day, and you're talking about the show and everything else and and then he just sent me that back knowing yeah, i didn't get any of the message he's like what's what's up i'm like oh shit <laughs> so i had to like send it all again and he's like but he's so nice he's like yeah brother I'll, i'm happy to come on for a chat and i love that he's so approachable and he's so easy to talk to eh? like what a good bloke Mm, yeah it was good to have him on mate it was um, some good information there you know obviously a big personality in the scene i hope the fans you know enjoyed that mm. you know us all coming together and you know um trying and, to, to form that unity and what a what a what a good teaser to have him on for um season three some of the bonus content there because that's going to be a good show talking about that whole tartaria the mud flood the resets you know all these oh, i can't wait that's yeah. gonna be a good that's gonna be a great show I oh. can't wait all, all of these topics mate this is that's that, that's that's where the real good stuff is oh, you know? shit, yeah. once and once we as we were saying earlier once you realize the only thing that you know is how much you don't know you know well that's that's what i love you know i've been yeah. ranking how much i don't know into order based on their significance you know <laughs> what i mean in my latest pieces you know i this is how in, involved i am i want i want to see just how far the depths of this life system goes because it's imperative that you know if you want to make any change in your own life or potentially in your own reality you have to know the the depths of of how far this life system goes and and the history hoax topics like the mud flood all of these types of discussions within that uh genre you know that that's very important yeah. stuff yeah it is isn't it i love um, that hidden history sort of stuff like history is fascinating itself yes but the hidden history stuff and the real history the 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 stories we're not taught in the books that we get in school and stuff like that you know what i mean like uh like adam from Crasfile has had recently um uh, the Goodrich fellow who did that um, Hellstorm documentary and the books and stuff about yeah, you know, yeah. Nazi Germany and you know, the murder and atrocities happening. I mean, like you don't, you're not taught that. You're only taught the the version of the winners. You know what I mean? Not not the actual story of the people themselves. You know, like it's fascinating. It's an amazing stuff, and I urge people to actually go and check that out too because you just don't know. Like this whole six million Jew lie, like. You know where they just plucked that figure from. You know, like oh, yeah, the, the whole hoax. Yeah, and all that everything. stuff. It's the, yeah. it's just so fascinating. And I, you really, I don't want people to kind of just forget everything they've been taught because you need it there for the comparison. You need it there so you can go, you know, you know, when you're learning all this new stuff, and then you can compare it to what you were told, and you can go, yeah, what I was told really doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? You can yeah. see the lie for what it is. You know, so you exactly. kind of, it's good to know and to learn that that bit of history. But um, yeah, when it comes down to the to the to the fact of, of learning the real stuff, that's when it gets really interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. And as we were saying off air, it once you get to that point, it, another big step is also accepting that information. You know, because a lot of people, not just um, you know, on the mainstream, they're indoctrinated into it. Yeah, not yeah. just not just on the mainstream side of things, but also on the alternative side of things. You know what I mean? Like, mm. there's a lot of narratives that I originally built for myself that were based on counters 
to the fake narrative. You know what I mean? Well, oh, well, this isn't wrong. You know, the history's longer or, you know, whether it's talking about the pyramids or whatever, it was always an argument or a framework that I developed in direct reaction to this narrative. But once you realize the whole thing is fake, you know, it, it, you get to a point where a lot of people don't want to give that up. They yeah. don't want to surrender that preconceived well, that notion. Con- confirmation that, bias they have as well, that, you know. Yeah. yeah, they've invested so much into it that they don't want to... to shatter that framework but when you do and you start to discover and rebuild those pieces boy it leads you down some interesting paths general and i'm looking forward to having a chat about that for sure it's gonna be exciting i'm so so hyped up for it um yeah so look that's um done and dusted for 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 this season i really want people to go over to I mean, we've probably an hour and a half now. So um, head over to realnewsaustralia.com. Check out what's been happening over there. Uh, of course, uh, if you listen to this and you're probably sure as hell subscribed over at TOTT News as well. Um, really good information happening there. I've been, oh, man, I've been so time poor lately. I keep seeing all these things coming through. I've been sort of reblogging a few of them, but some of these key ones that you've put up, I haven't even had a chance to read them yet. And I really want to get back into reading them. Um, but I'm loving all the stuff, of course, that you're doing over there, Ethan. Keep it up, man. So good to see you pumping out and doing so much more work in it now that you've got all this this time to focus on it it's just really good um what a a resource yeah man um so i can't wait to get you involved of course for some of those bonus content shows as well to to really flesh out some other interesting um discussions as well it's going to be so cool um yeah absolutely yeah i can't uh, wait mate before I forget, I've really got to do some due diligence here because I've been a bit slack, and I do apologize to the folks out there who are listening, um, who have been following what we're doing, and who have been also contributing. There's been some really good folks out there who have been um, throwing their their hard-earned dollars our way as well because um, they're you know just through normal PayPal donations. Like New Door Magazine contributed again. Like thanks again to the guys at New Door Magazine. You're awesome. Um, again, Ethan's been putting some work into New Door as well. So make sure you go and grab some of their magazines and support what they're doing. Um, where else we've got? I just want to run out a couple other ones. Sylvia Hutton always sends some really good information. So thanks, Sylvia. Uh, Ray Stitt again contributor. Ray's a good bloke. Um, Who's another one here? Mino Valoda uh, is another another contributor to Patreon. So thanks, Mino. Uh, we've got uh, Peter. Oh, so Peter, I met Peter over at um, the rally from a couple of weeks ago. Um, Peter Veritas is his name on Facebook. I won't say his surname, but Peter's, uh, he seems like a really good guy. He actually wrote that piece, uh, which I published with regards to the open letter to the churches and stuff. I thought that was really good of him to do that because um, he, yeah. he is a religious fellow. But um, again, I'm not biased against those sort of things, but I thought what a good what a good opportunity to, to try and encourage and, and to have that open letter to, to religious leaders in the church as well. So I think it needed to be said. I'm glad he did it. So thanks again yeah. to, to Pete for doing that. Uh, there's another one. There is another one I wanted to say. Um, fuck, I'm gonna forget her name. Wither- Wotherspoon. Um, son Darren. Can't remember her name, but anyway, um, she she's contributed as well too. Um, uh, so thank you again to her as well. I've, I'm so bad. I, I I should have written some of these names down. I've been trying to go back at these emails. I get so many emails, guys, and I forget to write them and to sort of save some of these ones because. Um, yeah, the, these people. Glenn DeJong's another one who, who's a good uh, contributor as well. Thanks, Glenn. Um, I've got. I, I don't want to leave her. Um, I don't want to leave her out because she's a, such a good lady. Uh, fuck, I'm gonna have to. Anyway, I'll come to. I promise I'll get her on the next show. 
<laughs> a special dedication just yeah because she 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 threw a, a good chunk of cash uh, my way too which is really helping to to go through the cost of all this stuff and you know how it is man so um yeah, yeah i really wanted to thank her for that but i will i promise i'll get her on the next one and i'll um i'll read her out then too and i'll get to it but my apologies for that but, but yeah thanks again to everyone who's who's really getting on board um like i said season season three is uh the next um well, we'll probably have Andy and yourself on for that one, but that'll be in about probably a fortnight. I'm hoping to get uh, the first bonus content episode for season three away, probably not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. So I'll have a show organized for that one there and we'll get that one underway for a bit of bonus content for all those people who are going to start supporting the show. Um, make sure you jump over to, um, I think it's Real News Australia on my Patreon as well. Um, you can find the links to it in the show notes for this episode as well. I always put the show notes in there, but that's how you're going to be able to get access to the bonus content for all the listeners. You've got to go through, jump on the Patreon for now. That's how I've set it up. Um, um, the, just Even just the base tier will actually get you access to a couple of shows. And I'm, I think in the long run, I'll probably allow you access to two. And then if you want the extra, all the shows, it'll be the next tier up again to get all, all the shows as well. So there will be a, a specific tiers sort of set up for those sort of things. But yep if you just want to get on the basic one folks for five bucks um a month jump on the patreon there and um you, you'll get the access to those shows which are going to be starting real soon thanks again i'll stop rambling ethan thanks for coming on the show and, uh it was good to have you on for this one it was a good opportunity to, to talk to max hey i didn't want to leave you out for that one yeah yeah no thanks mate it was good to listen in and you know really absorb some of the information you know some some great points that was that was made by max there's some things i didn't think about um, so Same. you know, it's always a learning experience. Mm, awesome! Can't wait to listen to the playback. Actually, all right, man. I'll let you go. Thanks again, and uh, all the best to all listeners out there. Thanks. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mister Beale, and I won't have it. Is that clear? You think you merely stopped a business deal. That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back. It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and immane interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multidollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things to that is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? You get up on your little 21-inch screen and how about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. 
There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide, and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state? Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charts, statistical decision theories, minimax solutions, and compute the price cost probabilities of their transactions and investments just like we do. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has been since man crawled out of the slime. And our children will live, Mr. Beale, to see that perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common profit in which all men will hold a share of stock all necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. And I have chosen you, Mr. Beale, to preach this evangel. Why me? Because you're on television, dummy. Sixty million people watch you every night of the week, Monday through Friday. I have seen the face of God. You just might be right, Mr. Beale. 